want to welcome you to the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. Pastor John's series, The Orphan Spirit, has changed our perspective on what it really means to be sons and daughters of God. Let's tune in as Pastor John continues, The Orphan Spirit. If you've been around Kai and I at any time, we'll make you feel uncomfortable because you're like, are, are we supposed to be listening to this? Uh, to this behalf. Now, I never disrespect her. Don't get, don't get it wrong. I'm not disrespecting her in the disagreement. We just disagree and you know, things get a little heated and it makes people uncomfortable. But the cool part about it is, is we realize that the Bible says that r- love endures all things. So it's not about winning the argument. It's about letting love rule and guard our hearts while we're going through this thing. And because my wife has my heart, she has the words of life that affect me. So no other woman does. I mean, thank you. I appreciate it. I, if I'm dressed nice or whatever, and, you know, I sing well, and you guys want to compliment me. You know, it's all good. Yeah. But when my wife tells me, I don't know, maybe this is a message. Maybe, maybe if the problem is if, if the Bible says, don't have love for the world. It says, love not the world or anything in it. Because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. So the the problem is, the reason why God's saying that is because if you love the world, whatever the world tells you, you're going to receive. But if you you love God, whatever he says to you, you're going to receive. When he speaks life over you and tells you who you are and tells you that you're a part of him, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and, and that he formed you in his own image, you'll begin to hear it, you'll begin to receive it because you have the love of the Father on the inside of you. And then when the world tells you you're nothing, you're, 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 you're this, you're, you're that, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too ugly, you don't have enough hair on your head, your hair's too long, you're, you're bald-headed, you don't have a beard, and you're light-skinned, and they say all these things about you. They talk about you. You don't receive it. That's the whole point of no weapon formed against you shall prosper in any voice. Any word, anything spoken up against you that God himself will condemn. Ah. Man. God is so good, you guys. I'm just, I'm just. I'm going to, hopefully I'll get to this, but I'm just, I got something stirring in my spirit, stirring in my spirit, because there's an identity that's going on in the world today that's the world's identity. I'm identified with Christ. I'm sorry, I may offend some of you, but I'm a Christian before I'm a black man. I'm sorry, I am. I belong to Jesus before I belong to my mother. I belong to Jesus before I belong to my wife. And how do I expect to love the world when I don't have the love of the Father in me? Running around here trying to do something. How are you going to try to give people loans and you ain't got money? Listen to that concept. Can somebody in here right now loan me $100,000? So you get it, right? You know why you can't loan it to me? Because you don't have it. 
If you do have it, I need to talk to you. <laughs> right. You can't give it to me because you don't have it. So when somebody comes to you and needs love, you ain't got the love of the Father in you to give it to him. You got a worldly love. It only lasts as long as somebody's doing you right. <laughs> love endures all things. People, when you love somebody, they hurt you, and it's like, man, dang. And they come back, and they're like, man, I should have never done that. And you know, there's true repentance. Then it's easier to make up in that love. Now, I don't, don't get this twisted because a lot of people, you know, they think it's love because even though somebody hurt them, I was able to forgive them. Forgive them. That's bondage. Because this, just in case you don't know, forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. A lot of y'all don't know that. You have such a hard time forgiving people because you really believe that if I forgive them, that means I'm giving them an okay for what they did. And then you think that I got to get, they gotta, I got to let them back in my life and let them have the position they had in my life. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is just the aspect of me saying, I know what you did to me. I just choose not to hold it against you. I'm about to shout. See, which what y'all don't realize is we keep saying the scripture that God takes our sins and throws them into the sea of forgiveness and he'll never bring them back up again. No, he won't bring them back up again, but I need you to understand forgiveness. God's looking at you on judgment day and go, yeah, I know what you did, but I'm not going to hold it against you. That's love. It's easy for me to forget. We said that and we preach that oh, God has, the, God has that, the, the courtesy and he has the ability to forget your sins. He doesn't forget them. God don't forget anything. It's just through the blood of Jesus Christ that he blots out those sins. That He says, I know they're under, but they're covered with the blood and I choose because it's covered with the blood. I choose not to hold that against you because you're identified. You've been found in my son, Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, I want to be hid in Christ. Lord, don't look at me as being me. Let me be hid in you. Because I'm a wretch. I'm the chief of sinners. My filthiness is like a dirty rag compared to yours. My God. Saints, we are dealing with an orphan spirit. We've been dealing with this orphan spirit. And just even with what I said about this orphan spirit, it has all these, it's like we don't realize, we don't realize who we are. We're all like foster kids. You guys know foster, foster kids, it, when you're a foster child, it's something temporary. But adoption's permanent. And God said that, he said, you have not been given the spirit of bondage unto fear, but you have been given the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, which means my adopted dad. See, some of us are running around here, ain't never had a dad, never had an earthly father. Our fathers were terrible, or they didn't know what to do. Some of them were just doing the best that they knew how to do, and they were probably doing better than their daddies. Let me, let me help you today. Let me help you, because now I know why God was talking about forgiveness. Right now, today, we need to learn how to forgive our dads first, earthly dads. Forgive them. They were doing the best they knew how. Whatever, whatever curse that they were trying to pass on to you, they were ignorant of. 
And it's the, the power of Jesus Christ and the love of God that's going to invade your heart and allow you to forgive them. Does it mean that they're not going to be held accountable for what they did? No. Does it mean let them right back into your life where they was? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means you know what they did. You choose not to hold it against them. Recognize the curse. Break it. And then we can learn and start to learn how to receive the love of the Father. Saints, I know personally for myself, it's so weird that I've heard my mom tell stories about my father dealing with us as young kids and then seeing myself repeating the same behavior with my children. I thought spending time with my kids was watching them. They'd play. I'd just sit there and watch. I didn't know how to engage with them. And I remember my wife says, get on the floor and play with them. That was so alien to me. But then I began to see the difference. There's some things, as I look back, I look back at my father, and my father was a hundred times better than his father. So So if I looked at it that way, anything that my father ever did or didn't do, it's easy for me to forgive. Because he was doing the best that he knew how, and looking at my grandfather, my God. Now, my grandfather was a great man. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dogging him, but he was doing the best he knew how to do. Raising nine, ten kids in in a one-bedroom shack. Come on. But God says, listen, I've given you the spirit of adoption. We are no longer separated. I want to bring you back into myself. I want you righteous. How many people want to be righteous? Yes. But you know what the problem is? Too many of us are looking and thinking righteousness is a wrong thing. Righteousness is so easy. Righteousness simply means right relationship. Following Jesus Christ by a set of rules was not the way to go. That's what the Old Testament was for. He gave us a set of rules and regulations just to show us just because you're following rules doesn't mean you're in right relationship with me. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? Amen. You guys know God isn't trying to raise obedient followers? I've been saying that for the last three weeks, and I still get the same look. But wait a minute. That's contrary to what I've always been taught. I hear Christians always say, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Listen, God wants you to love him. When you love somebody, guess what? You don't have to worry about following rules. You know, if your kids really, really love and respect you, they're going to do the right thing. But you got, you got to foster that type of atmosphere in your home. Yeah. Not to be hypocritical. Don't be doing as I tell you to do. Not, you know, do as I say, not as I do type of stuff. You don't do that kind of thing. But if, if you're emulating what you, the way you want your kids to live, you don't have to worry about when they say, hey, I'm going I'm to go out here. You don't have to worry about it because you know they're going to do right. Because their aim, their aim, because they love you, their aim is to please you. Come on, married men. I'm, I'm going to share something with you, and I know I'm completely off my notes, but praise the Lord. I got, I got 30 minutes. Watch this. Married men, you guys can say amen. And those of you who want to be married will say amen when I tell you, all right? Watch this. Let me tell you, let me give you uh, a shadow, an analogy of, of 
what it is to love God. So I love my wife. I love her tremendously. My wife has responsibilities at the house, just like everybody at the house has responsibilities. But sometimes, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest, a woman's responsibility of taking care of a home, to me, it seems like much more than I have to do. I'm just honest. That's what it just seems like. So I know that most women's uh, love language is acts of service. So my wife, she, she wakes up in the morning, and she's like, man, I got a lot to do, blah, blah, blah. I hear talking. She's like, I got to do laundry. I got to fold laundry. I got to do dishes. I got to clean up downstairs. I got to do all this. But in between time, because she's a pastor, she has meetings she has to do. So I'm, it's my study day at home. So I'm like, okay, I know most of, the, most of the stuff and blah, blah, blah. So when she gets up, I don't even say nothing to her. But because I love her, I want to take some of the burden off of her. She didn't tell me I had to. Those weren't in the rules. But because I love her, I'm going to aim to please her. Amen. So, fellas, if you want your wife to be happy when she gets home, Amen. do the laundry. Amen. Don't just do it. Fold it. Yes. And if you really want things to go well later on that night, put them away. Yes. Come on. Hey! Hey! So Kai leaves, I do the laundry, put the laundry away, um, I, I cleaned up, I did all these things. So Kai comes, she, gets, she finally gets home, she still has this look on her face because she's like, she knows everything that's before that she has to do. And when she comes in the house and she sees that everything is done and she looks at me, now I don't have to brag about it, I just like, and she'll look at me and go, did you do that? <laughs> you know I did that. Right? So what happens? Watch this. I don't have to, I don't have, you guys can use your imagination. Because I showed my love to her in a way that would please her, because I was just aiming to please her, it takes us to another level of intimacy. Some of y'all got it. I'm glad. Mostly the married people. Good. It takes me to another level of intimacy with my wife, and not just physically. Because what happens is the intimacy is like the way my wife says, into me, see? You seen in me that you knew I was stressed? You seen in me, you love me so much that you would look past this and the frustration and the quick temper to look in me to know that I'm frustrated? You, that was into me, see? Love aims to please. So when we know about our father, our heavenly father, we know about him. We begin to spend time with him. We begin to learn the characters of him, what pleases him. And we don't go by following the rules. Yeah, I know the Bible says if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But see, so many of us got that all twisted. We think that it, when, when you says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, that God, I got to do these rules to prove to you that I love you. That's how some of y'all in here are doing your relationships. If you love me, you do this. If you love me, you do that. If you love me, you be here. If you love me, you do this in bed. I had to say it. I had to say it. If you love me, some of you guys that ain't married. If you love me, it's okay. We love each other. What is marriage? If you love me. If somebody looks at you and says, if you love me, you will. You go, if you love me, you'll wait. Yeah. Yeah. So, wait upon the Lord, I say. Yeah. 
Yes. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not get faint. Hey. Listen. Listen, you guys. When you love God, when you get to know him and know what pleases him, it's not about if you love me, keep my commandments. He's saying if you love me, don't worry about the commandments. It's going to happen naturally. Come on, saints. There's too many of us in here right now that are following God after rules and regulations. I can tell you right now, being a a veteran, I was in the military, it's 670-1. I had to follow rules and regulations. I had to follow all this kind of stuff, rules and regulations. That didn't mean I was in love with my sergeant. Obedience only happens when you're doing something you don't want to do. When I love God, I want to do everything to please him. I want to love. I want to give. I want to serve his church. I want to serve his body. I want to tithe. I want to, I want to, uh, I want to meet people. I want to just fellowship with the saints. That's what happens when you're in love with God. But when it's the other way around, when you just have a knowledge of God, it's like, okay, I got a knowledge of God. I got to go to church. I got to serve. I got to tithe. Why is that pastor always talking about money? Wow. Check your heart. Um, that's why people always say that, 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 that serving, I mean, giving and serving is not a head issue. It's a heart issue. If, if, you, if, you, love, if you love God, you don't mind giving him what, what he needs. If you love him, you got to check your heart. Amen. You guys, uh, I am so way out of these notes. Here's the thing, though, our thinking, our thinking, I'll get in this, thinking, your thinking, what you were thinking before you got saved won't work Amen. now, okay? What you were thinking when you got saved is not going to work here as a Christian, okay? I, I've given you many examples. First of all, the Bible says, you know, when it talks about, if, if right now, if I came up and pushed you, what are you guys going to do? You're lying. You're lying. Y'all would hit me. That's what y'all do. Because people want to one-up you every time. It's not, you push me, I push you back. You push me, I hit you, I smack you. If I smack you, you punch me. If I punch you, you're going to kick me. If I kick you, you're going to shoot me. That escalated, right? Some of y'all, if I look at you wrong, you're going to shoot me. But the Bible says if somebody strikes you, what do you do? Come on, man, what? Jesus, you tripping? It goes against our natural thinking. How many people want more forgiveness in their life? How many people want more grace? How many people want better finances? Well, in, with all that, you try to get as much as you can, right? But the Bible says if you want, you got to give. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, it doesn't say give out of necessity. Not like, you know, if you need a thousand, you give a, uh, you give a hundred. No, it's not like that. The Bible says don't give begrudgingly out of necessity. But look, if you want more grace on your life, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men come and give to your bosoms? Just to let you know, that scripture wasn't about money. Even though it will work with money, it was about grace, love, and forgiveness. You want more grace in your life? Give more grace. That's why I tell you, man, there's things you can't pray for and you get automatically. One is grace. More grace. 
You got to humble yourself. You got to suffer. Yeah. Somebody say suffer. suffer. Say it again. Say suffer. suffer. How many people like to suffer? No. Nobody likes suffering. If you guys like suffering, then, then we wouldn't have a problem with this Christian walk. I'm here to preach to you today. I got 15 more minutes. I'm going to let you guys go. I promise. I also want to let you know I break promises sometimes. <laughs> We're going to go as the Lord leads. Okay? Watch this, though. Watch this. We preach too much on blessings and prosperity. And the church has lied to you. It is a part of Christian life. But bigger than prosperity and blessings is suffering. What do you think God's main interest is for you? Do you think it's for you to walk around with a pocket full of cash? That's not what it is. Do you think it's for you to walk around and you be empowered not to ever sin anymore? No. God's will for you is to be conformed in the image of his son. That you are transformed. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So what is he saying? Once you give your body to God, once you give everything to God, now you got to renew your mind. Because your old way of thinking will not work in the kingdom. If you had a bad experience with the father out in the world, you bring that thinking into church. Now, it's easy for us to think good of God because we can't see him. But God has placed people with God in them for you to see. That's why there's a principle when God says, how can you sit down and say that you love a God whom you can't see and you can't love your brothers who you can see? You know what he's saying? He's saying that's not true love. Because if you love the God that you can't see, you're going to love the brothers who you can see, and you're going to aim to please them. Oh, we didn't want to hear that. It was cool. It's better when I was talking about God, huh? Because it's easy to love on God when you don't see him, and he can't tell you. Literally, you don't hear God going, go and do this. And, And we think it's a construct that we make. It's something that's really not there. But see, God sets people. That's why he sends pastors after his own heart. That love you. You know, pastors, I'm all over the city, quit jobs and, and, and work two jobs to pastor because they love God's people. And they love God's people, but people don't love them back. Yeah. Most of us seek to know God through education, reading, learning scriptures. And when we do that, it leads to us following God by trying to follow regulations. We got to know God. How many people want to know God? You guys, show, raise your hands if you want to know God better than you know him now. Raise your hand. Okay, let me tell you. I'm going to give you the for sure way to know God. You guys ready? You guys ready? Yeah. Suffer. Yeah. Suffer. I hate to break it to you, but I got to tell you the truth. You don't know God through blessings. You don't, you don't know God through the blessings and prosperity. You praise God when, when God... Gives you stuff. Yeah, we praise him. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for the wife. Thank you for the husband. Thank you for the house. Thank you for the job. Thank you for the business. God, I thank you for the blessing. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God, you came through. You're on time, God. Yes, he is. Yeah, you all that stuff. But you don't get to know him. 
So it, let, let's just make it simple. How many people know God's a healer? Yeah. Most of you in here have knowledge that he's a healer. But until you've been healed, you don't know him as a healer. Come on, y'all. How many people know God's a deliverer? You, all, you know him as a deliverer, but you don't know him as a deliverer unless he's delivered you from something. Come on. And I bet you whatever he delivered you from, you were suffering through. Oh, if you would be honest, if I had about two or three honest people in here that would admit if it had not been for that diagnosis of death, that bad news, that late night phone call, that the, the ache in your body, that you wouldn't be as close to God now as you were. That bad breakup. We turn around, if we understood and get the revelation of suffering, we turn around and send letters off to everybody that ever hurt our feelings. Thank you. If it had not been for that stab in the back and that betrayal, I wouldn't be as close to God as I am now. My God, I wish you would have left a little bit earlier. I'd have been closer to God. I'd have been on God a lot longer. I ain't got no hard feelings. It's you're the reason I know God the way I do. We got to know God, not have a knowledge of him. Don't raise your hand, but you know, people know about online dating. I mean, it's a thing. I'm not knocking it. You guys know I met Kai online? I did. You guys know? Yeah, some of y'all know the story. Watch this, though. Problem is, we look up people online, we see pictures, see where they're from, everything, where they were born, what they do for work. You know, they got all those, those pictures that are up like this so you can't really see. <laughs> all face pictures. <laughs> and y'all be talking, y'all talk back and forth for a couple of months and then all of a sudden you in love. How are you going to love somebody you don't know? But I do know you have a knowledge of them. Because knowing comes from experience, having an experience with somebody. You ain't had no experience with somebody on the Internet. Now, praise God, if you guys meet together and then you get to know each other and things work, praise God. But don't come to me talking about I'm in love. Pastor, I'm in love. Yeah. Problem with that is, watch this. The problem with that is that is an earthly love. And it lasts about as long as everything is going cool with that person. Because the moment things ain't right, the moment you find out that they pick their nose and pick their toes, you're like, you know what? I like you, but I don't love you. We're talking about orphan spirit. Why am I breathing? I keep going back to the man and woman thing. Because we are on the Internet, and we're in our Bibles, and we're reading about the man named Jesus. And we sit down and we know where he's from. We know who his mother was. We know that he is the son of God, but yet God. And he came in the flesh. He was born of a virgin. We know that he walked this earth for 33 years and that he was wrongly accused and he was betrayed. And, and then he was uh, uh, tortured and he was put upon a cross and he died. And on the third day, he resurrected. We know that now he sits at the right hand of the father with all power in his hands. He sent the Holy Ghost to live with us and not just live with us, to be in us, to give us power over all that of the enemy. We know all 
all this because we read it in the book. But saints of God, I'm here to tell you, just because you read it doesn't mean you know them. You have a knowledge of God. A knowledge of him. But let me let me just just put this together. Genesis chapter four, verse one, it says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and conceived bare Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. That's what some of y'all women in here need to be saying. (laughs) I've gotten a man from the Lord. No, he ain't from the Lord. He's from the club. If you read the scripture, if you read the scripture, you would take a worldly perspective. Of course, Adam knows his wife. They're married. Don't you think they know each other? But there's something a little bit more deeper than that. See, what God did is that at the beginning, God formed man. And man was by himself. It's not good for a man to be alone. So what he did is he caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. He reached inside of Adam. Adam was one, the perfect man. He reached inside of him, pulled out a, a, a figure, and then Adam looked at her and called her woman. Named her Eve. So now that there were two. But God, in his, in his om, om, omniscience, omniscience, in his all-knowing power, God said, listen, they were one. Now they're two. I need to create a way to make sure that they could be one again. Okay? Use your imagination. There's young people in here. Right? So Adam, uh, God said this. Listen, God said this. So I'm going to make this way for you two to become one. You're going to have, you're gonna have, have to be intimate. There's going to have to be an experience that you will know each other. You got it? To know, to be intimate, to see within. But before they got intimate, listen, it's very careful, listen, they had to expose themselves. In order for anybody to get intimate, you have to be exposed. You have to be open. You have to be naked before the Lord. And, 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 and if you understand, when, when we get intimate with Jesus, when we want to get intimate with Jesus, we have to expose ourselves to him also. We have to come. You ever heard the phrase, come naked before God? I'll tell you what, just just telling you this. Start praying and interceding while you're in the shower. You're going to see the difference it makes because you're exposed. There's something natural that happens being naked, but that's just being in the shower. Don't be calling, no prayer meetings, talking about (laughs) we get naked before the Lord. When you stay covered, there is no connection with Christ. When Adam knew his wife, they became one again. And when they became one, it says that she conceived and bare a son named Cain. Listen, anytime we get with God, anytime we're intimate with God, when we want to know God, not just have knowledge of him, but when we know him, we're going to conceive. You guys need to know something very important. Conceiving isn't birthing. When you conceive... Listen, ladies, I, I need some ladies that have, I need you guys to get me on this one, okay? Ladies that have babies, okay? When you first found out you was pregnant, remember? Your lifestyle changed, didn't it? Yeah. You, you started, you started uh, eating different things, and, and, and you, you changed your diet. You began to develop a hunger for things that you'd never eaten before. You're like, why am I eating this? I, I don't know. But you develop this hunger, and you have to consume healthy food because the life that's in you is depending on you to grow it. You guys with me? So naturally, Adam knew Eve, she conceived, which means there was a life in her. There was new purpose in her. But there was a season that she had to carry and allow this new life and purpose to grow in her. And when the time was right, she birthed a son. Now, likewise, when you know God, when you are intimate with him, you will conceive. Why do I know that? Listen, 
There's so many people that talk about they know God, but they show no fruits of the Spirit. And people talk about, oh, you're a fruit inspector. No, I'm not a fruit inspector. I just know when there's fruit on a tree. Can I get an amen? Y'all talking about, you want to judge? You can't judge me. Yes, I can. How do you know an apple tree is an apple tree? It got apples on it. A tree that ain't got no fruit on it is only a shade tree. It's good for blocking out the sun. Oh, hey, come on, somebody. Yeah, the S-O-N. According to Luke chapter 8, 11, it says the seed is the word of God. Jeremiah 1 and 12 says God watches after his word to perform it. So when you truly begin to know Jesus, something is conceived inside of you. Then you desire to have a lifestyle change. You don't want to do stuff that you used to do. You even have a change in your diet. Now you want to start uh, listening to different kind of music. That old trap music you listen to, you don't want to listen to it no more. For some reason, it grieves your spirit when you hear all that nastiness and cussing. It, you know, well, oh, 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 no, it's okay. It's, no, it's tainting your spirit. When you have the seed, when you are pregnant with purpose. And see, the thing is, the reason why you got to live a right life and begin to feed what's inside of you, because what's inside of you is depending on you to grow. Your spirit, man, is born again. It's a baby. When the seed, the word of God enters into your heart, you are born again. And you now have to feed what's in you with righteousness. You feed the, with the word of God and praise and worship. And as it begins to grow, there's a season that you have to carry it before your purpose is birthed. But so many of us, so many of us do these two things that we don't want to do while we're pregnant with purpose. Number one, we abort our purpose. Sometimes we see the weight and the responsibility of this thing being birthed into our lives. We may not want to give up our own lifestyles that we are currently in. We don't want nothing to hold us back from our own personal dreams. So we halt, we interrupt, we terminate and abort what's inside of us. If we looked at, and listen, I have no condemnation to anybody in here, but if we look at what is the reason for abortion, I would say 99.9% of the time the reason for abortion is because we don't want the responsibility. And we scream about the right of choice, but we don't give that child a choice. The child didn't ask to be here. And as Christians, I'm here to tell you, if you, don't, if you believe in it, I just want to say something. The word of God says, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And I called you and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. So this whole thing about being a clump of cells is a lie. That's that worldly stuff. But I know my God says that I knew you. I know in Psalms where it said, I seen your unformed body before it was formed in your mother's womb. See, this is telling me that God had a plan for me. And what's happening is because you made some bad decisions with the wrong person or you weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing, then all of a sudden you want to, something's going to interrupt your life and your life is more important than the life that's inside of you. And we do the same thing with Jesus. Well, no, no, no. I only want to have the fun part about it. I like the part. I like the fun of, of receiving Jesus. But if there's something that's going to be in me, I don't want it. Is there any type of Christian, some Christianity birth control? Ooh, that's pretty deep. I'm trying to tell you, people want to come and reap the benefits of being in church, but not receive the indwelling of, the, of God in our lives. It's like they call it fornication. Receiving the benefits of a commitment without being committed. Am I getting too deep? Number two, we don't want to give birth prematurely. Where is she at? 
Okay. No. So, you know, ladies, it's like you're at month five and you're like, I can't wait to have this baby. <laughs> right? But you don't want to try to have that baby too early because do you guys realize that if the gestation period for a human being is 10 months, not nine, it's 10. It's usually a month that you find out. After a month, you find out you're pregnant. So it's 10 months. And in 10 months, that, that baby that's inside of you is developing and getting ready and prepared to live in the world outside of its mother. Another thing that we don't realize, ladies, is that not only is the baby not ready to come out earlier, but you're not ready for that baby to come out earlier either. Because during that 10 months, God is getting your body together, is getting your hips ready and all that to give birth, but it's also doing other things in you, not just physically, but also mentally for you to be able to deal with the, the task of having a child. You have that child too early, both of y'all going to struggle. I wish I had some parents in here that gave birth to some premature babies. <laughs> yeah. See, some of us are so afraid of labor. We know that there's going to be suffering. They know what we're going to have to go through. Even though you carry that baby around for 10 months, you won't truly know that child till after the experience of the labor pains and then the birth. You guys, you guys ready for this? Uh, it's all an analogy. There's conception, there's pregnancy, there's labor, and then there's birth. Conception. When you start to be intimate, when you get to know God, you, there's something that's going to start growing inside you. You're going to carry that thing around, and eventually, during that pregnancy, there's going to be labor. The labor is the suffering. But you got to know that through this suffering, through my pushing, through the, the labor and the toil, that all of a sudden, right after that toil, I'm going to know something. See, it's after the suffering that we get to know God. It's after the suffering that when we begin to know God, we begin to know who we are. And when we begin to know who we are, we begin to start seeing areas in our lives to put off that orphan spirit. See, orphan spirit isn't just one thing you can dip and then it, that covers it. There's many different parts of our lives that the orphan spirit touches. Now, let me get back to my point. Before Adam and Eve had a son... Before they knew each other again, they, they went through a lot of suffering. You guys, a lot, a lot of people don't think about this. He says, and Adam knew Eve again. But before he knew her again, he had to go through the issue of being kicked out of the garden. Then he had to go through the issue of his two sons getting in a fight and one killing the other one and the other one being cursed forever. What kind of pain? What kind of suffering? But it was through the suffering that caused him and his wife to come together and get intimate and know. And when they knew each other intimately, something was birthed. So anytime you know God, there's going to be a you're going to conceive and you're going to give eventually give birth. It's all about becoming. A son of God. This is why Paul says in Philippians chapter three, verse 10, he says that I may know him through an experience that Paul continues to list. He says that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. We have to, we, we have to listen, the power of his resurrection. Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Listen, saints, something has to die for there to be a resurrection. You want a resurrected life, then you have to kill your old life. I'm not talking about naturally. I'm talking about spiritually. You have to die to your own will, to your own way, and receive Jesus Christ's way. And it's not going to be easy to give up your life for somebody you don't know. Then he said the fellowship of his suffering. This is the part that gets me. The fellowship of his suffering. We're in the Building Christian Fellowship. 
where people love on each other, we hug each other, we treat each other nice, we eat and do all these things. We're friends. So you're telling me that the fellowship of a suffering, that he was a friend to suffering? Paul said, I want to know him. My main goal in my life now is to know Christ. And I know that I'm not going to know him through the blessings. I'm going to know him as I'm dying and as I'm suffering. God is madly in love with us, and he wants us to love him back and to prove his love to us. He sent his only begotten son that through him we could be back in right relationship with him. Righteous means right relationship. God doesn't want us living by obedience. I said it earlier. He just wants us to love him because love always aims to please. Paul understood if I want to walk like Christ, I have to know Christ. And if I want to know Christ, it's to suffer like he did. And suffering is a process. Because in the process is where I'm being transformed into the image of Christ. As I bring this to a close. Saints of God, I'm going to share with you, and I'm going to be an open book with you. The scripture in Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul says, that because I get these major revelations of God, that God sent a messenger of Satan to come place a thorn in my flesh to buffet me unless I exalt myself higher than I ought to. So I sought the Lord three times on this matter, and every time I asked God to remove this thorn from my side, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. begin to think about that. My grace. Paul understood the grace of God. Because after that, after Paul said that, because you matter, Paul's like, Lord, look, I'm doing everything for you. Doing all this. Remove it from me. And God says, my grace is sufficient. So Paul goes on and says, because God said this, all of a sudden he gets the revelation. If your grace is sufficient, if your grace is going to get me through this, therefore I will boast in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me. See, some of us in here are asking God, how come I'm not healed yet? How come I'm still hurting? How come I'm still suffering? Well, it's an opportunity for you to, to grip that suffering, know God more, and know that his grace is sufficient to get you through the suffering, that the power of God will rest upon your life. Now, why am I saying all this? Because there's a thorn in my flesh thorn in my emotions, my, my, my mind. And if you guys don't know, you know I deal with anxiety. Some of you guys that come here know I deal with anxiety. I deal with depression, let alone my heart disease. And I've sought the Lord 157 times. Lord, take this from me. And every time I heard him say, my grace is sufficient That's tough. That's tough. But I got to go back to the word. And I said, well, therefore, let me boast in my infirmities. Because I need the power of God, which is the grace of God, to rest upon me. See, the power of God isn't shooting lasers out your hands and slapping people and they're falling backwards and they're healed. The power of God is the grace of God. And the power of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want that grace to sit upon me. So I'm going to boast in my infirmities. I'm not, I'm not ashamed. 
that I deal with depression. I'm not ashamed that I deal with anxiety. I just know when I wake up in the middle of the night at 11 and then at 12 and then at 1.30 and then at 2 o'clock, then at 2.15 and my heart's beating hard, all I know is, look, look, I'm going to suffer. And the reason why I'm suffering, God, because I know that through this walk is a process. And through this process, I'm being made more and more like you. It isn't about me being healed. It's about me becoming like Jesus. And if I got to go through this, I'm going to make sure that it's going to count. I'm going to seek your face like never before. I'm going to find somebody to brag to. Yeah. I deal with anxiety. I deal with depression. Yeah, and I'm a pastor. People look at me and they're like, you? Yes. Ask my wife how many times we used to go to the hospital. Emergency room visits after emergency room visits. But finally, I learned how to rely on God and say, God, if this, if this, if I got to go through this, if I'm going to go through it, you're going to get glory. I'm going to become like you. And if I can help somebody while I'm going through this, if I can give somebody a word of encouragement that God is faithful, that he's never left me nor forsaken me, that he has given me the strength, that in my weakness, his strength was made perfect. When I thought the world was closing in on me, when everything was getting black, when I couldn't even cry out and call the name of Jesus, God showed up on my behalf. Right at the last minute. I thought I was losing my mind. God just showed up. Woo! The whole point of being a Christian is becoming more like Christ. We don't become more like Christ by reading about him. We know more about God by having an experience with him. And this experience is called suffering. The Bible tells us, look, since Christ suffered, let us have the like mind to suffer also. Saints of God, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Nobody wants to suffer. But the icing on the cake is, if you do, don't suffer like the heathen got to suffer like saints of God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God will turn you. He'll begin to pour into you. The more that you know him, you're going to know him as, as a mind keeper. You're going to know him as a healer. You're going to know him as a way maker. You're going to know him as a counselor. You're going to know him as a doctor. You're going to know him for everything that they've given him titles for. But you got to go through it and suffer first. So that we could destroy this orphan spirit off of our lives. Let's know him. But know him in the fellowship of his suffering. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.